Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO Podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we will help you be more successful. Today's guest is Dave Henderson. He's CIO at Millennium Health. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you having me, John. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about your, yourself and uh, Millennium Health. Sure. Well, my name is Dave Henderson. I'm the Chief Information Officer here at Millennium Health and uh, been in healthcare since around 2007. Millennium Health is a clinical lab. You know, we cert- we're nationwide. We specialize in toxicology testing, which is basically drug testing. And as a result, you know, we see a lot of interesting data and, you know, we've done a lot of in- uh, novel things with that data. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, and that's why, you know, prompted this, uh, this episode was you created an emerging threats intelligence program. Tell us about that and why you created it. Right. Well, it's kind of an interesting thing in that, you know, there's this kind of story with Amazon, how their AWS offering was really built to support amazon.com. And then they kind of said, Hey, we think this is really interesting and adds a lot of value and other people might be interested in this. And of course that created AWS. Yep. It's so, turned out pretty good for them. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and you know, the emerging threats intelligence program was similar in its Genesis mm-hmm. in that we look at data internally and we work with uh, the clinical department and we look at trends and we started looking at this and saying, this is really interesting. I think it's really important. And we started sharing it with our customers, which are clinicians and incorporating it into our our systems and our ordering platforms and things like that. And then we had so much positive feedback around it that we really formalized it, created a program and really kind of started making that into a product and offering it in different ways, whether it's peer reviewed publication or a signals report that's available to anybody or the ETI program. So that was kind of the genesis, looking at how we function internally, how we leverage that data, why we think it's important, and then actually making that available to different constituents. Interesting. So tell us more about what's involved in the program. It's a report or the access data. Tell, tell us how it works. Yeah, in general, it's curated data trends, right? So we take lots of data, millions of data points uh, through hundreds of thousands of tests over years, and then correlate that into actionable trends. Right. Hmm. And so it ends up it can be an interactive widget on our ordering platform in one variation, or it can be a very formal, you know, uh, pamphlet, booklet, PDF type report that has a very, very targeted audience and time frame. Um, And so things, you know, just so everyone can kind of, you know, uh, understand what the the meat of it is, um, things like co-positivity for fentanyl and heroin. Right. Mm-hmm. And the average person might not realize that that jumped to 90%. So for every heroin wow. positive we see, 90% of that is also positive for fentanyl, which wow. is one wow. of those leading causes of why you see so many accidental overdose deaths all of a sudden. Same with cocaine and methamphetamine, actually. Those percentages mm-hmm. are lower in the 30%. But imagine 30% of, of those drugs actually has fentanyl. And often the people using those drugs don't even realize it. Hmm. 
That's some amazing information. Uh, I, I wouldn't have, I mean, I guess now that you describe it, it makes sense, but I probably would not on face thought about that. So it's interesting. Right. Now you involved a lot of other partners in this. Talk about what it took to get, you know, the community, state, even national participants in this effort. Right. And so I think it really started with the clinical department doing peer reviewed publications in, you know, the JAMA open mm -hmm. network and things like that. And once we really kind of published this and made it widely available. Um, and then really people started reaching out to us and mm. said, tell us a little bit more about this and how can we form a partnership? And we have you know, several partnerships with various government agencies at this point where we're collaborating and, and working with this data that's really helping them apply resources and ultimately save lives. Because we see this near real time. Mm. We can see different variants of different drugs moving from county to county, state to state, increases in wow. positivity rate. And so how do you know where to deploy the types of resources? How do you know what you're looking for? Uh, and so we just think this is really you know, important, meaningful, and ultimately we all have the same goal, which is to really help people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I love that you talk about the real-time nature of this. And obviously, healthcare IT today, we care about the technology. So talk about that, the role of the data and the technology in this effort. And, and maybe where has it helped or, or, you know, I don't know, did it hinder the program as well? Talk about the technology and data side. Yeah, so it's a great technical story, right, that I think everyone can relate to. So, um, you know, moving from on-premise SQL databases, which have their place and they've been around a long time, right? But and they will have be for their, a while, yeah. That's right, but they have <laughs> their limitations. And so moving to more of a cloud-based, you know, self-compute powered data lake with, you know, um, pipelines and things like that really enabled us to do what we were already doing much faster at scale. Right. And so that technology without it, and I'm sure many other people listening to this podcast and that you've interviewed in the past have had that same type of transformation. Right. But you're really getting to the point where if you're not leveraging that type of tool set, you really can't manipulate that much data that fast and do that kind of near real time delivery. Yeah. Absolutely. Was it tough to get access to the data or, I mean, the opioid crisis is such an important one and everyone seems to have been touched by it. So did that make it easier or, or was the data and getting access to it still a challenge? So the data is internally generated because we okay. are the ones who do the testing, right? So we're actually the ones um, uh, sharing this data with other entities versus- Gotcha. So you haven't incorporated any outside data yet? That's correct. Some of our partners do do that, though. That's a that's a, a trend that we see where you're taking that core data, marrying it with other types of data and getting even more useful, actionable insights. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, it's the eternal problem of how do you even bring your internal data all together as well? That's right. right. Uh, that's right. You know, I love it. Healthcare organizations talk about it all the time. We need an internal HIE because we have too many systems. It sounds like what, that's what you created with your data lake. <laughs> exactly. Right. And that's what I was saying is we started looking at this internally. And once we were able to pull all that together in, in a way that you can kind of aggregate that into something digestible, like we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. and then those insights start coming and you just kind of snowball from there. Yeah, that's awesome. So what other IT and data projects are you watching and, you know, that you look at and say, oh, this could help our organization? Right. Well, you kind of touched on it already, and that is taking that same approach for everything internal, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had this tremendous success with taking this large amount of complex data, 
aggregating it into a digestible real-time uh, report or series of reports or series of data widgets. And now we're taking that exact same approach for our internal processes. How do you take that same approach for all of your laboratory operations, for example, right? You know, when you're processing tens of thousands of specimens and you really need to know what the status of everything is, how it's aggregating, taking the very similar approach that we use for the ETI program and applying that to our internal processes is really the next big thing for us. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've often said that the future of healthcare is built on the back of data. It sounds like that's what you're describing. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and being able to democratize that data in a meaningful way, of course, mm -hmm. because, you, you, you know, like we were discussing before, a lot of people have a lot of data. How do you unlock that and how do you, you leverage it so that it's actionable is, is really hard. How do you combine it with other data sources, right? You know, right. this has been kind of the, the challenge of healthcare for the last 20 years. Well, and it's stuck in silos and, you know, it wasn't intended to be analyzed that way. It was done for billing or whatever reason, as opposed to a clinical purpose. And I think that's been the challenge that I've seen over and over is the data was intended for billing or for right. <laughs> compliance or regulation. And now we're trying to take that data and apply it to a clinical purpose. And it wasn't intended that way. And, you know, so then people get upset and you're like, well, just remember the source, right? <laughs> like, right. how was it created? Right, right. And how can we, you know, really move the needle and, and, and make a difference? Yeah. The good news, like you said, though, is that the cloud and the AI processing power to be able to process that much data is now available and and you can move the data across it in a much better way than you know even five ten years ago so that that's impressive cool well i mean i think this is a fascinating project uh you know we do like to wrap up our, our podcast episodes with a little career advice with from people uh you know, who've been through this and you know and our cios so what would you say is the best advice you've been given in your career it's such a great question. And like most of us, I think I've had several mentors that have given me really, really good advice over time. But if I have to pick one, uh, one <laughs> it's of like the, picking a child, is that yeah, the... <laughs> well, <laughs> one of the most um, poignant things that anyone's ever said to me was be honest with yourself about what you're bringing to the table. And, and that really resonated with me, especially when you get to the sea level, right? You come up through your career and you might come up through infrastructure or programming and your director and VP. And then as you get into that sea level, what are you really doing? What, what's mm. the conversation? How is that changing? And, you know, I used to talk with board members and other, you know, executives and CEOs and CFOs. And the feedback was, be honest with what you're bringing to the table. So when we talk about data lakes and things like that, that's really interesting from a technology perspective, but I would never use those words in a hmm. business meeting, right? Yeah. They, they're not going to distinguish that from Lake Tahoe <laughs> to a data lake, right? But, but what you can talk about is look what we can do with this data and look how meaningful it is. All the backend stuff is a given, but focusing on what, are you going to bring to the table to move the business or add value is the best advice I've been giving. Cause I step back often still today and ask myself those same questions. Am I bringing enough value to this conversation? Hmm. 
there's some humility in that question that I, I really like. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's such an interesting challenge, right? Do you work on your uh, weaknesses or do you double down on your strengths, right? <laughs> That's right. kind of what you're saying as well, right? Is the you know recognize where your strengths and weaknesses are so you can make that decision. Right, right, and you know it's uh, and 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 this my experience has been the smaller the table, the more you have to think about it, and the more value you have to bring in a very small amount of time. Yeah. Well, and I think you had a subtle, a second lesson in there as far as communication to executives and communicating at their level. Uh, you know, we can thank Microsoft for uh, making cloud common knowledge, but no one's done that for data lakes. So <laughs> I think that's what you're saying. Right, right. But as technologists, right, we're all relying on that. And that's great. That's not the story, though. The story is what's it enabling the company to do. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Dave, for taking part in this uh, CIO podcast. Appreciate you sharing about this really interesting program and a, a challenging problem. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting application. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Appreciate it.